Hey current and future Onophiles, this is Adrian from The Bottle Blondes. On behalf of Hallie and myself, I want to thank you so much for supporting our podcast. We took a bit of a hiatus due to our day jobs and we were working hard on our WSET 2 certifications, but we are back and excited to be learning more about wine with you. Before we dive into our two-part episode all about Australia, I want to note that this was actually recorded one year ago in February of 2019. Since then, Australia has dealt with catastrophic climate change, and the wildfires that broke out there last year have burned over 17.9 million acres of land, killed 28 people, and affected over 1 billion animals. Wine regions have also been heavily affected, and many winemakers now face uncertainty for their 2020 vintages. Adelaide Hills, for example, has already lost $20 million worth of wine, according to winemag.com. We encourage you, if you haven't already, to donate to the relief efforts within the country. Wires.com.au, that's wires, W-I-R-E-S is an organization that is dedicated to preserving the wildlife of Australia by rescuing the animals affected and rebuilding their habitat. Also, the organization Wine Australia has recommended that you can also make donations to the Australian Red Cross. And last but not least, if you haven't already done so, please, please go out and show your support for the country by buying Australian wine. Thank you so much for listening, and enjoy our two-part episode all about Australia. Hey, Kurt and Future Onophiles, this is Sally. And this is Adrian. And we are the Bottle Blondes. We think wine is delicious, but we know that learning about it can be pretty overwhelming. We use our love of comedy to make learning about wine fun and approachable because we are learning about it too. In improv, mistakes are gifts, and boy, are we going to make some mistakes. So thanks for coming on this ride with us. You can find us on iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, and SoundCloud at Bottle Blondes Wine. Give us a listen, and if you like our podcast, leave us a review. And for pictures of the wine we drink for the cast and our other adventures in wine, follow us on Instagram at Bottle Blondes Wine and on Twitter at Blondes Wine. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening. Good, good day. Oh, <laughs> they're starting out strong. Uh, if you guys hadn't realized. Good day, uh, listeners. <laughs> Adrian is doing it in an impeccable Australian accent. Because nope. <laughs> uh, it's Australia Day here at Bottle One. Yay! The coldest day of the year in Portland is now Australia Day because it's summer there. Uh, fun fact did you know that we were actually in uh, Seattle when Australia Day was happening? Oh, and really? that's why that bar we walked into was fucking crazy. Oh, you're right. It was an Australian bar in Ballard, and mm-hmm. we were like, what's that? It looks like an old school. And yeah, it looks cool, like the Kennedy School. And then we went in, and it was like 16 frat parties all threw up on each other. <laughs> <laughs> and then we promptly left. And we were like, oh, that's a shame. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so similar to our Germany episode, we are just kind of going to be covering as much of the whole country uh, as we can today. So uh, unfortunately, we'll probably won't be able to hit... All of this stuff, but no. uh, we'll give you a nice uh, overview of of Australia and its, its many wonders. I mean, the good thing about covering wine in Australia, even though it's literally three million square miles, or if you're doing metric, uh, 7.8 million square kilometers, um, all of its wine region is in the south or you know, kind of southwest or. Um, Tasmania, like it, nothing really takes place in the in most of Australia, so it's a lot easier to cover. Even though geologically it's a much larger landmass than Europe, it's a lot easier to cover because there's it's newer, it's um, it's more condensed, and everything's a lot easier to pronounce. <laughs> yes, yeah, much easier to pronounce. Um, fun fact: of those three million square miles, only ten percent is habitable. Wow. Yes, which is why every little town is clustered around the the coasts mm-hmm. and in the south because um, the more north you go, the hotter it gets. And the top part of Australia is literally like a desert where cool. um, apparently there's feral camels, which I was also reading about. Feral camels. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> I just thought all camels were feral. No. Feral is when you just, like, breed all willy-nilly, right? Yeah. <laughs> okay. When you're just wild. <laughs> then you're just wild because you get to fuck whenever you want. <laughs> wild pack animals. Nobody even wants to go up there to tame them. <laughs> nobody. Nobody. Um, 
Yeah, it is. So yeah, Australia is about the size of uh, the greater 48 United States. If you need some <laughs> some context there, since you are all probably thinking, comparing, wanting to compare Australia to yourself. Uh, if you are listening in America, I don't know, maybe somebody is listening in another country right now. That'd be cool. You know, I feel like when you look at breakdowns of um, podcasts, a lot of listeners come from Australia for English-speaking podcasts. So I wouldn't be surprised if we already have some Australian listeners and they are super jazzed about this episode. We promise to hopefully not offend you. <laughs> uh, no, but also no promises. Whatever, you're Australians. You just let that the duck off a wall. Water off a duck's back, as Water Jinx Monsoon said. <laughs> wow, season six. <laughs> Only one I was able to watch before yeah. Netflix or pulled wait, it. Was it five? I think it was five. I think you're right. I'm sorry. It's okay. How dare you not know your drag rest <laughs> season? Ridiculous. You're ridiculous. Um, so just really quick before we go into the wine regions, uh, my favorite, you know, part of kind of doing this research is digging a little bit further into the history, so mm-hmm. now it's time for Hallie's History Corner. Hallie's History Corner. Uh, as most of you maybe do or don't know, uh, Australia was actually um, settled as a penal colony. Wee! Wee! <laughs> That's just fun to say. It's fun to say. Penal colony. Penal colony. So um, it was a, originally uh, discovered by the Dutch in uh, 1606. Uh, they were like, whoa, that's a lot of land. Let's take it. Uh, and then it was uh, settled uh, by England in approximately 1770 via the penal uh, transportation system. Wait, what? What is the penal transportation system? Oh, well, let me tell you. So uh, in Victorian England, uh, as you know, the England uh, as a country, mm-hmm. or excuse me, the United Kingdom, it's not the biggest country. Yay. No, it's, it's, pretty, it's pretty small compared pretty, to... Pretty weak. Pretty weak, but, you know, people... Suck like jackrabbits, and um, there was a really huge uh, booming population growth, and of course, they didn't really know how to deal with it. So uh, they, you know, and of course, that population growth, the majority of those people that were being born were being born into poverty. Mm -hmm. Uh, There was still a huge disparity of wealth versus the upper class, and they decided that... um, Wow, we've conquered all this land across the world. Might as well put it to use. Yeah, let's put it to use. So um, it was originally 19 crimes plus more mm-hmm. that if, uh, if you committed, you would get sent to a penal colony uh, in Australia. Interesting. Why 19? Uh, I don't know. There was That's another thing I was reading about, and this will um, come up a little bit more when we get mm-hmm. into uh, a wine that I have. Mm-hmm. Um, it was 19 crimes, but it was also a lot of uh, political prisoners, too. So it was um, the Irish that were fighting for independence. It was um, the Scottish who uh, were considered criminals against the crown after the Battle of Culloden was unsuccessful. Okay. So it was... And, not only were prisoners being transported to Australia, they were also getting transported to America as well, because that was also gotcha. getting claimed at the time. But for all intents and purposes, um, it was mostly, uh, there was already people, it was already a settlement in right. America, and, not, and there wasn't really one uh, in Australia. So they settled, uh, they, they took the prisoners from England, took them down through, uh, there was a port stop at Rio de Janeiro, mm-hmm. a port stop at uh, Cape Town, South Africa, mm-hmm. which will come up in a second, and then they would go over and sail over to where New South Wales is right now. So that was the first state, Australian state, that was settled uh, huh. as part of this penal colony system was New South Wales. Interesting. So, yeah, that's how it got started. So you had a bunch of uh, criminals trying to make a society. Woo, criminal wine. Obviously, they made it work. (laughs) (laughs) So, obviously, wine production goes back pretty far. Um, There's several wine regions that we're going to cover in general. So, New South Wales, which you just mentioned, is kind of the first settlement area. Um, South Australia is a huge growing region as well. There's Victoria and Western Australia, and then um, there's also Tasmania, which is an island south of Australia that's actually a lot cooler, I guess, because you're kind of near to, when at that point you're near to the South Pole, so they have a lot cooler climate, um, similar to France, but most of, um, most of the climate in Southern Australia is pretty hot, um, pretty dry, makes your growing really, really great. 
full-bodied grapes, but even, but there's all kinds of climates in there. They're even experimenting with Riesling in some areas. Um, and wine production there has kind of just exponentially grown since it started, especially um, it, it doubled in between, I mean, this is more recent and contemporary uh, in terms of time, but between 1995 and 2005 alone, um, the number of wine companies literally just doubled. Yeah. So wine, gro- wine growth and wine production down there is just exponential in terms of how much they're creating. Literally, the population of Australia can only consume 40% of what they make in Australia. <laughs> so you yeah, you have to get you have to get rid of it somehow. Mm-hmm. And also due to a low population because a lot of Australia is not habitable. Um they don't really have a quite the resource of harvest workers that uh old world regions and America does and and South South America and whatnot. So they uh rely a lot on technology. So a lot of wine producers in Australia are very high tech. And very automated, which is kind of just an interesting fact. They're um, the fifth largest exporter of, I believe, wine in the world compared to the rest of the country. That sounds about Not right. Not the rest of the country. The rest of the world. <laughs> oh, sorry, guys. Geography. Um, there's uh, 60 designated uh, regions uh, as well. So it's not as maybe bountiful as, you know, old world. But still, that's a mm-hmm. pretty hearty representation. Totally. Um Fun fact about uh, how grapes got there in the first place is, you know, I was telling you about how the penal colony stopped in mm-hmm. Cape Town, South Africa. Right. Uh, vine cuttings were taken there and brought to Australia. Mm-hmm. So the theory is, is that some of the first grapes planted there were from vines from South uh, Africa. Interesting. And that it was probably most likely either uh, Cabernet Sauvignon or... Mm-hmm. Uh, Syrah, mm-hmm. which in Australia uh, is Shiraz. <laughs> we're going to say it like that. Shiraz. Shiraz. Okay, maybe not. <laughs> maybe uh, a little bit. Maybe, maybe not. Um, <laughs> yeah, they, it really, wine growing really started to take off there between the, the 1850s and 1870s. And then production, like I was saying earlier, kind of was growing exponentially um, in the more recent era, kind of the 1960s to present. And a lot of the wineries that are down there are owned by like large large treasury estates yeah treasury estates a, a company that owns other companies mm-hmm. um I, I think they're called like portfolio companies. portfolio companies Wine, yeah portfolio companies treasury yeah. estates is one of the names of these portfolio companies but the way that you would think of like jackson estates or um i don't know chateau saint michelle which we visited recently yeah probably preached this before but you know it's really fun when you mm-hmm. get a bottle of wine find out where it came from oh, yeah. you'd be surprised that probably most of the stuff that you're grabbing off the shelf is owned by is it is it part of a bigger corporation mm-hmm. um or which ones are just you know mom and pop down the street with their five rack fair five barrel racks <laughs> i don't know <laughs> um so another, so every single grape in Australia, Australia has no uh, native grapes. Right. So everything was brought there from other countries. From I mentioned um, Africa. Mm-hmm. There was also a um, viticulturist by the last name of Busey, I believe, who uh, brought over a lot of vine cuttings from France and Spain as well. So um, everything was was brought there by other people. So um, let's talk about the main grapes, maybe. Yeah, let's talk about the grapes. Um, should we actually talking about grabbing things off the shelf? Should we talk about the spread that's in front of us right now? You guys, we ordered. Uh, Adrian ordered. Well, we ordered <laughs> a entire box, a bin, a bin. bin. We ordered a bin of Australian snacks off of Amazon, and it came with all kinds of delightful treats. Um, all of Australia's commonly known snacks have very strange generic sounding names like this weird um candy bar that is chocolate cherry and coconut called cherry ripe um we have chicos which uh, are which are they're like they're weird they're like weird alien children looking things that are chocolate jelly babies and they literally just taste like hershey's 
chocolate syrup and they look like demonic children. Um, so yeah, if you're ever angry with your children, you can just like <laughs> take them out and then be like, see, this is your name and then eat it. And then oh. you can traumatize them. You can be like, I'll turn you into a cheese cutter. There's also um, this thing here called <clears throat> Violet Crumble mm-hmm. with the fun tagline, it's the way it shatters that matters. <laughs> it just, that rolls right <laughs> off the tongue. <laughs> uh, and I have no effing clue why it's called Violet Crumble, other than the fact either. that the, the wrapper is purple, but mm-hmm. the candy itself uh, has no discernible violet taste or floral taste. It is a meringue type chocolate thing that crumbles when you try to do anything it with it. It tastes like space candy, like, you know, the way that, um, what is it, uh, like frozen ice cream, like astronaut ice cream. Yeah, astro- tastes yeah. like that. Uh, astronaut it's food. weird. Uh, we have Anzac biscuits, <laughs> um, which are really buttery and coconutty and delicious. Uh, don't forget the the most generic sounding treat of all. It's called shapes. Shapes. <laughs> we have uh, shapes, which are basically just uh, what are these hexagons. With a flavor dust on like them. Like, they're not even different types they're of not, shapes. They're like, not even, like, goldfish or Cheez-Its. They're just literally called shapes. They're just called shapes. There's they're not even called... Um, hexagonals. Oh, yeah, hexagonals <laughs> or rhombuses. <laughs> shapes. Yeah, they're not... They're like, what's that shape name again? I can't remember. <laughs> just call it shapes. Just call it shapes. Uh, Tim Tams are also here. Mm-hmm. Tim Tams are here. Um, if you've never had a Tim Tam before... You're missing out. They are very, they are incredible. They're like, um, just wafery chocolate biscuit coated in chocolate. Uh, yeah, it's fucking good. And then, oh, the 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 piece de resistance. (laughs) The piece de resistance, it's Vegemite. Vegemite with B vitamins. Uh, it's in a tube like toothpaste, which is a little unappealing. (laughs) (laughs) Like a bright, or like paint. It looks like a paint. It does look like paint. It looks like uh, acrylic paint that you would squeeze out of a tube. Um, I tried some earlier this week. And it's very salty. I can't wait to break into that. Uh, I can't either because I've never had it. I'm a Weird. saltaholic. Mm-hmm. And um, I also found out that um, it's Vegemite was after Marmite. Mm-hmm. Marmite was first. Okay. And the Australian, I don't know, queen, governor, I don't know the, <laughs> I don't know the political system in Australia, so <laughs> sue me. Um <laughs> Wanted to task some guy with like, hey, make Marmite, make our own, make our own version of Marmite, and you did, yeah. which is now Vegemite. Yeah, there's like a big disparity if you get online about like which one's better and if they taste different, and I have no idea. We'll find out. Um, I know somebody who definitely likes Vegemite, and their name are Men at Work. They're what? Men at Work. Ah, oh, yes. <laughs> The band, Men at Work. <laughs> Sorry, I had to get a Men at Work. I wonder if people in Australia are, like, angry at Men at Work. No, I bet they like them. Yeah. In the way that we love, you know, like, Guns and Roses and stuff like that. <laughs> and, like, Journey. Mm, it's true. <laughs> Men at Work are the Journey of Australia. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, so, yeah, getting getting on to the, the grapes of Australia, not just the snacks. Not just the snacks. Uh, so your main grapes coming out of Australia are going to be Syrah, um, which we will intensively be calling Shiraz, Shiraz for the remainder of this episode. And I did look up as to why the... Uh, Australians say Syrah, Shiraz. Oh my god, me too. You did? Oh my god, let's compare and contrast. Okay, excellent. So basically what I found out is that it's kind of a mystery um, and that it's basically just kind of like a linguistic difference. Um, literally that like Syrah could have been said a bunch of different ways and Shiraz was one of those variants. Hmm. Um, so I didn't write down all of the variants. And then the other interesting thing was that it was also referred to until like about this the 1960s as um, Hermitage, but Hermitage is a region in uh, the southern Rhone Valley in France, so they had to stop calling it that, and they just started calling it Shiraz, 100% Shiraz. Uh, interesting. I, I got my notes to say that it was originally uh, thought that the cutting came from a providence in Persia um, mm, yep. called the Fars, Fars Providence, and the capital of that providence was called Shiraz. Uh, and the legend being that a crusade fighter uh, brought back cuttings of that grape to France um, and then from France made its way uh, to Australia. 
but uh, DNA testing shows that that's just um, a myth. Yeah, and yep. that Syrah is actually indigenous to France. Mm-hmm. Um, it not, did not come from Persia. So that's just also some fun uh, myths behind mm-hmm. this grape's uh, mysterious history. Ooh. Ooh. Um, so Shiraz is uh, going to be, as opposed to its French counterpart, Shiraz from Australia is going to be very fruit forward, mm-hmm. uh, smoky. And you're often also going to get some eucalyptus on there because, fun fact, it tends to grow. Eucalyptus, the plant, grows close to vineyards and can impart some of its um, waft, some of its scent over it, which can sit on the grapes. Hmm, interesting. Yeah, I've, I've found that Syrah from France tends to have a lot more kind of like brambly, earthy flavors, and Shiraz from Australia tends to have a lot more medicinal flavors Mm -hmm. and that's not necessarily 100% across the board but kind of an interesting comparison as to as to origination uh other great origination sure yeah i like it i like it this is our podcast we can make up as many goddamn words as we want (laughs) (laughs) um other grapes are cabernet sauvignon uh merlot chardonnay sauvignon blanc semillon riesling and pinot noir yeah um, and oftentimes, so Cabernet Sauvignon is kind of like another big, um, well-known grape for its quality down there, and it sometimes gets blended with Syrah as well, and they kind of bring out the best of both worlds with each other. Love it. Yeah. Love it. Love it. So I looked up a little bit about classifications, which don't really exist but they kind of do um I, it's not as hardcore as, as old world I was surprised that I couldn't are. find anything on classifications either the only the closest uh-huh. thing I came to was was the bin thing there's the bins yeah so we got bin numbers uh show reserve and then we have um there's a old vine charter so there's like a couple different things and then there's also some like associations that are basically just like heritage kind of companies that are like, yeah, we we uphold standards in wine, but they're not a government classification or anything like that. They're just kind of like, we old, yo. <laughs> we old. <laughs> um, so yeah, there's no complex designations, but there's two that pop up a lot on uh, Australian wine labels, as Hallie mentioned. Um, there's going to be bin numbers, bin, 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 and a show reserve. Um, Bin numbers are a little vague. Um, you can kind of find consistency as far as vintages, like bin to bin, like certain bin numbers indicate quality nowadays. But essentially it was just came from Australians tracking their wines through blending and aging processes because a lot of winemakers grow their grapes across huge swaths of land. And so they may take grapes from many many miles away from the other grapes and then blend them together they're not a state grown there doesn't necessarily indicate quality like it does in other places yes so the the bin designation is kind of like oh this bin is of a certain quality we've chosen these grapes for this bin um and then show reserve is interesting as well it doesn't have a legal definition it just means it won an award in australia Mm. <laughs> but right. apparently Australians take their wine words pretty seriously, so show reserve is pretty good indication that you're going to get a good wine. And then uh, the very, very last one that I found is the in the early 2000s, an old vine charter was designated by the Yalumba family to determine how old a vine is. And then it got adopted by the Barossa Valley in 2009, and it became the Barossa Valley old wine charter and it designates um, different age classifications of the vine. So an old vine is at least 35 years. Mm. A survivor vine <laughs> whoa, <laughs> uh, is at least 70 years. Uh, a centenarian vine is at least 100 years. And then an ancestor vine is 125 years old and attributed to the first settlers. How many, do you know how many ancestor vines? I feel like those would be the rarest. I don't know the quantity of each vine. Um, I would imagine that, yeah, the older you get, probably the rarer it is. Weird how that Weird. works. Weird. But it's just kind of funny. Like, the name, very similar to the names of these weird snacks. It just sounds really kind of like, eh, we hit this with a dart, and that's what we're going to name it. Like, 
a, you know, an old vine and a survivor vine. Yeah. Like, <laughs> somebody was like, I really like Jeff Probst. He's my favorite host on CBS. I just need to memorialize his existence somehow in this classification system. So, yeah, it's kind of kind of all over the place. Uh, oh, yeah, I have one fun little classification oh, yeah? thing, too, that I just learned about. Um, so, sometimes on labels, you're going to get uh, the state. Uh, in Australia, they're called states. Mm-hmm. There's six of them mm-hmm. uh, where your uh, wine was has come from. <clears throat> uh, and we're about to talk about South Australia, which is like a, is a region. Mm-hmm. But sometimes, and this is going to happen with some of your under 10 wines uh-huh. coming out of Australia, is you're going to see something on the back of your wine that says South Eastern Australia. Okay. And that what that means is it's not coming from an eastern part of the South Australian state, it means that grapes in that wine are coming from any any state and being blended together. Oh. So it means that like this wine here, this Chardonnay that we're um, about to try, it is, says Southeastern Australia and it probably has grapes from New South Wales, it could have grapes from Queensland, it could have grapes from Victoria, Okay. all blended together. Whoa. Um, so that's a fun mystery that you have to decipher. <laughs> <laughs> you know, you just wouldn't actually know that anyway unless we told you. You're welcome. <laughs> whoa. <laughs> whoa. Sassy. Whoa. Sassy. Sorry. <laughs> just, you know, feeling renegade like this island. That's, you are a renegade <laughs> island. The, the biggest island in the smallest continent. Aww. Australia. Australia. Let's go into the, the mother... Uh, the mother of the regions. The mother of the regions. The mother of the regions, and where most of the wine that you're buying from the grocery store is probably coming from, which is Southern Australia. Yay! So Southern Australia is uh, has quite a few, um, I guess, apple. We'll call them appellations. Yeah, They're like sure. Because like, like, the region is South, or the, the state, the region is South Australia. But then it's got regions within it. Mm-hmm. So um, the big ones being uh, the Barossa Valley, um, the Adelaide Hills, um, and the biggest city, um, which Adrian just mentioned, is Adelaide. Mm-hmm. Um, so you can pop into Adelaide and do all these tours. Tours? I just combined tour and winery. Mm. This seems to be a theme. Tourist. Made up words. Tourist. Uh And this particular um, region does a lot of Shiraz, Cabernet, uh, buttery Chardonnay, um, Merlot Riesling, and Sauvignon Blanc. Mm. So yeah, one of the uh, some of the main regions in Southern Australia, as we mentioned, um, the biggest one going to probably be uh, Barossa and Adelaide Hills, and um, yeah, all of those ones are right. And the McLaren, mm-hmm. the Coonawarra, yeah, uh, Langhorn Creek. Mm-hmm. Did you know that Kunawara means honeysuckle? I did not know that. Well, I read that in a book. Oh, that's nice. That's lovely. That's lovely. And then as you go further east, you're going to go through Melbourne, um, and then over to Sydney, which is going to be near the Hunter Valley. Um, and then if you go up a bit, you're going to go near Brisbane and um, what is the, what's that region called up there? Like the new Victoria oh, or uh, something? <clears throat> no, Queensland. Queensland, yes. I believe it's pronounced Brisbane. Brisbane, yes. Hey, I knew an Australian once, and he, he was like, he scolded, nay. scolded me when I said Brisbane. Oh, <laughs> what a weird thing that I should pronounce it like it looks like it's spelled. I, yep, I think that's a running theme with most of the cities. Um, <laughs> you know, uh, what was the, maybe Tasmania is pronounced differently mm. when we're doing it wrong. <laughs> um. One thing that I guess we probably do need to address about South Australia is there's something from there. It's yellow. Oh. It's got... Interesting. Is it maybe perhaps an animal? It is an animal. Oh, okay. <laughs> Interesting. I think I'm following you. And it could, might, one might even call it the animal in the room. Is it, is, it a, is it a critter? It is a critter. It's actually... There's more of these in Australia than people. Oh. Yes, that's right. Is it kangaroos? It's can- yes, it's kangaroos. <laughs> uh, we're talking about yellowtail. Yeah. Yeah, which uh, I'm sure every single person in the world has seen because it's... Whether it's been going into your mouth or coming back out of your mouth. Oh, boy. The toilet. <laughs> Everybody, I'm sure, has encountered yellowtail at some point in their life. So, yellowtail became popular in the uh, late 90s, early 2000s. 
when, you guys, this wine was literally made for Americans. It's insane. It's like marketed, it's like it's, a marketing success story. Like, it's, it's amazing in that regard and kind of, like, insane in every other. Yeah, so it's like this business guy, I think he was in France, and he mm-hmm. was in charge of, like, selling French wine to America. Mm-hmm. Um, but then he was like, I want to get into this market of selling wines at the $10 price point or under, but I can't do that out of France. Where am I going to go? So he went to Australia, met up with a Sicilian immigrant, Mm -hmm. and boom, Yellowtail was born. And they've literally made this wine with American tastes in mind, Mm -hmm. so that's why it's just a big, it's like drinking juice. It's why it's drinkable, that's why it's higher acid. Excuse me. Lower tannins um, and with a cute animal on the label. And that's another reason it was mm-hmm. really drew in first-time wine drinkers is because it is much more approachable and much more drinkable. Uh, so unfortunately, <clears throat> because uh, this wine became synonymous with Australia, and as people's like kind of palates mm-hmm. developed and they started getting away from that, it's just like that's all that it's kind of like associated mm-hmm. with now. So it's a double-edged sword because, on one hand, it really brought the Australian wine market to the forefront in America, but that wine was, you know, undermined the quality of wine coming from regions, different other regions that were not necessarily trying harder, but weren't a big mechanized oil refinery looking, (laughs) you know. Yeah, manufacturer. It's interesting because it's like, I I forget exactly what the percentage of wine that was being exported from Australia before the success of Yellowtail, but I think it was like something very, very small, like 10, only 10% was getting exported to other, to other regions. And now it's just, it's huge. Yeah. Um, you like Australian wine is very, very common in every shelf in every store. Um, you're going to find yellowtail, but you're going to find some pretty interesting things as well. So it's like, yeah, it's that double-edged sword. Oh, and another thing that we're, this is like a really great segue as we kind of start getting into these wines from South Australia is the labeling that comes out of Australia is so, it is not just critter wines, like it's eye-catching. Like right Mm -hmm. here in front of me, I have some wine called Sideshow, Mm -hmm. and it's just kind of like this like fun, like, ooh, look, here's a fortune teller or here's like a a snake charmer Mm. you know when you look when you go to the grocery store you look at wines from australia versus other wine labels they're just more creative and Mm -hmm. they they, they're cleaner they pop pop more more. yeah they're much more artistic um than old world wines that are so confusing which yeah which we have tried very hard to decipher uh in past episodes (laughs) So. so honestly it's kind of a good entry in terms of learning about different wine styles because like the wine styles are just themselves much more approachable and they're easier to learn about. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So what we have here are some, some bargains, some baggins, some baggins, ba- baggins, bag baggins. Wow. I don't know. I, woo. <laughs> I don't know what accent I just did. These are some bargain wines that I just got at Fred Meyer. Uh, I've got two different types here cause I wanted to kind of just see what they had to offer. Okay. One of them is a Chardonnay. Uh, and the other one is a Shiraz. So we're going to try the Chardonnay. Okay. Um, when I had this earlier, the kind of scents and tastes I got were in line with each other. I got dried mango, pineapple, pear, pie crust. This is an oak Chardonnay. And for being an oak Chardonnay, it's not as buttery as some California Shards. I will I will give buttery it that. Buttery biscuits. It smells very waxy. Yeah, I mean, it's not, it's, it's, it's fine for what it is. Okay. I will say that. Um, and again, this is, as I mentioned earlier, this is a wine from southeastern Australia, which of course means that it has grapes coming from lots of different states and we don't really know. There's a lot of acid. Yeah. Um, I don't, like, I'm getting like kind of a big puckery mouthful right at the beginning and then it's like, meh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's not exceptional, but it's also I've had way shittier. Oh God, Chardonnay. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah, again, super clever uh, labor laboring. <laughs> you guys, we super are super clever laboring on the label. We're doing so good at talking. Today. So good. <laughs> uh, the sideshow, a collection of novelties and oddities from down under. 
this one has a fun little gypsy fortune teller. Mm. Uh, what does she see? A Chardonnay! Oh! Um, fun, and I tried, to, I tried to do more research on this wine, but literally their website just is like, here's our wines, here's a description, the end. And I'm like, okay, but, but like, where? <laughs> you know, um, I had some Bodabox Chardonnay earlier. This reminds me a lot of that. <laughs> Not in a bad way, mm-hmm. but just like it is very consistent and like straightforward. And when you're getting consistent wines over and over again, that's mm-hmm. probably because your winemaker is usually using um, chemicals and mm-hmm. uh, engineered yeast and mm-hmm. does the same thing every year to appeal to, to once you find something you like they want to duplicate that over and over and over again for you let us proceed let us proceed on to the viognier um viognier has a very interesting story in australia so this is um the one that i have right here in front of us is the yalumba uh y series viognier this is a 2017 uh yalumba is the oldest family-owned winery in australia uh they've been around for Hella long. Ooh. Hella, hella How long. How long is hella? Hella long is since 1849. Oh, um, yeah. That's a century. Yeah, that's century. very long. Samuel Smith was a British brewer who immigrated to Australia from um, Wareham, Dorset in uh, August 1849. And uh, they traveled from Plymouth to Adelaide. He worked as a gardener for one of the families that helped basically colonize Australia, um, and he planted his first vineyard in 1849. Um, Fast forward many, many years later, um, their first wine was released in 1858 and 1829. This is just a fun fact, really has nothing to do with the wine we're drinking right now, but they served their four-crown port at a Christmas party in Antarctica. Oh! (laughs) Um, In 1966, they released their famous Cab Sauv Shiraz blend, which is called the Signature. So if you're a wine collector, you may be familiar with that. Um, but the, the thing that makes this one specifically interesting is um, Viognier was not really a commonly associated grape varietal with Australia until um, this woman, this badass woman called Louisa Rosé, or Ro- no, probably Louisa Rose. Am I kidding? It could be Rose. <laughs> Louisa Rose, she's a winemaker, um, and she's kind of like the most famous Viognier winemaker in the world, <laughs> which is really cool. Um, they released their their first Viognier in 1998 after she started working for them, and she's won a bunch of crazy awards. Like uh, she was named um, Lou Australia's best winemaker. Uh, she was awarded a Winemaker of the Year Award in 2004. She won the International Wine Spirit Competition um, wine, Women in Wine Award. And so yeah. she just kind of made Viognier like a very commonly associated and sought after grape um, and kind of associated it with like just consistency and quality. And I've never really had Viognier before. It's very... Um, very oily it's pretty floral you kind of get those like peachy tangerine orangey fruit notes and some almond and um it's pretty tasty yeah i love a vna i'm i'm a big fan of floral oily wines mm-hmm. so this this is right up my alley and i'm very excited to try it i think you'll like this the y series is um it's pretty like kind of like you know you associate it with good price and good value so it's nothing fancy but um, if you see the Y series, just know that it's probably a good bargain. Yeah. And I liked this. This is a good introduction to Viognier for me. I don't think I would drink it by my by itself, but I really want some Asian food with it. Yeah, it's got some really nice delicate uh, peach and white mm-hmm. flower stuff on the nose. I'm smelling a lot of minerality. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah, that's something fun I forgot to mention. A lot of wines uh, are going to have a nice um, salinity and, and minerality mm-hmm. because... Everything is, like, so close to the ocean. Oh, yeah. The ocean air is just blowing on in right there. Because, again, all the cities are on the coast where it is cool and not hot as balls in the desert with feral kangaroos. I mean, <laughs> the feral camels. <laughs> the feral camels. <laughs> Maybe there's feral kangaroos. I mean, wait. I mean, the ca- I think kangaroos are feral, technically, because they're kind of like You're right. rabbits down there. That's true. You're and right. But they, they will rain havoc on... Um, wine crop because they try to hop the fence because they're so fucking huge 
and then they go and eat all the grape leaves. So apparently kangaroos are a really big problem down in Australia for winemakers. Uh, so are these little birds called silver eyes. Um, which I'll get to, and I mean, they're, maybe they're a bigger problem in Western Australia, which is a region I'm going to be covering shortly. Mm-hmm. But they have to put netting over the um, the vineyard so Whoa. that those, these little silver eyes don't come eat all the eat all the grapes. Whoa. So lots of critter problems lots in Australia. Problems. <laughs> um, I'm, this is from South Australia. I'm gonna try it with an Anzac biscuit. I. Pulled off a piece of the cherry ripe, but I think that's gonna go better with. Sh- <laughs> I think that's gonna go better with the Shiraz. That's a real interesting bite of candy. I can't wait. It looks like um, it looks like the inside of somebody's like. Oh, it looks like raw meat. It does. That's what it, it looks like. Raw meat inside some chocolate. It oh, is not no. appetizing looking. This is great. This Anzac biscuit. It reminds me of um, a macaroon, and I'm not talking macaroons like the French macaroon. I'm talking like you order a big-ass tin of Manischewitz macaroons for your Passover party, and they are made of purely just heaps of coconut and butter. <laughs> that sounds delicious. Yep. Uh, it's dark. This is, you guys, fun fact, mm-hmm. if you don't know this about us, we normally record this podcast uh, on a Sunday. Because uh, we love day drinking. That's too bright. Oh, no. <laughs> During the day <laughs> on a Sunday. Uh, and this is our first Saturday night. We're going to mm. get pretty rowdy. We're going to get rowdy down under. We're going to get rowdy. Let's uh, jump over to a cheap Shiraz. <laughs> yeah. Uh, again, this is a sideshow again. Coming in hot. Coming in hot. I thought it would be interesting to try uh, two wines from the same kind of situation. <laughs> Same situation. Which, that situation, I have no fucking clue because there's nothing about it on the internet. And like the situation from Jersey Shore. Oh my god, didn't he go into bankruptcy or oh something? Oh man, probably. Oh. He like got he got spoiled with too much money when he was an idiot and then lost it all. <laughs> and now is like, oh, I shouldn't have been such an idiot. <laughs> anyway. Um, so this Shiraz. Mm. On the nose, I got plum sauce, cigar box, pork fat, don't ask me why. Oh, no, I'm smelling that. <laughs> and blueberry pie. Um, but when I tasted it, I got totally different shit. Mm. Uh, when I put this in my mouth, uh, it was very black licorice, Fig Newton, and then you put eucalyptus. Mm. Um, I will say this. This doesn't have a meaty smell to it. It's so bizarre. You know what it smells like? Wait, hold on. Uh, uh. It smells like Sharpie. Like Sharpie? It smells like a black Sharpie. Like the marker. Like the marker. Oh, that's not good. <laughs> well, as somebody who used to like markers and smelling them like huffy markers? as a child. I never said huff. I just said <laughs> gently smelling. <laughs> oh, that's okay. I like the smell of gasoline. I do too. I was a gas I was a gas huffer kid. I was yes. like, oh, open yeah. the windows. Yeah, that'll good. come with you to the gas station. I like to smell gas. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I do, I do, uh, I did like the markers that smelled, smelled like things. Hold on. Okay. I'm going to get a Sharpie. Adrian's on a mission. I'm on a mission. <laughs> Before we drink this wine, uh, I'm gonna taste it with my <clears throat> my pairing of stri- cherry ripe, which is ground beef. Oh, it's weird. Oh, smell this cherry from afar and smell that wine. Oh yeah, a little bit. Yeah, yeah. It smells like cherry. All right. Marker wine. Marker wine. I mean, sometimes, well. Did you I, put it in your mouth yet? I haven't put it in my mouth yet. Oh, Because that was like, I got to I gotta figure out if this theory is true. It tastes like um, some sort of like boysenberry syrup. Mm-hmm. It's like what I'm getting. Yeah, boysenberry. Interesting. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. I got, I got a very medicine-y vibe with this one. Yeah. Not necessarily a bad thing. Um, almost a dimetappy flavor. Yeah, <laughs> and, the, and the anise is is like is there too. It's, mm-hmm. it's unique. I I kind of like it because it's different. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think you know for these two wines, each being about seven dollars, I would definitely go with the Shiraz. I would go with and I would go with these other yellowtail honey. They oh hell yeah! We almost got a bottle of yellowtail. I totally forgot. I'm so it's sorry. It's okay. I think it was meant to be. We probably yeah. would have like I don't know gagged. <laughs> <laughs> and think about it, like this costs the same amount as Yellowtail. Mm. That's right. Yellowtail's like six or seven bucks. Like no wine except for three buck chuck 
costs under five dollars. Oh, the days. foot wines do. All of the, you guys. Oh. I have a very strong. The bears to foot. Do not buy any wine that's got a like a fucking foot thing on it. Like so, no flip flop, no barefoot. No toenail, no <laughs> heel callus, no, no no bunion, no bur- <laughs> Like if that fucking wine has a foot anything on it, stay away. PSA. This is the bottle blonde's PSA. <laughs> stay away from foot wine. Stay away from pedicure wine. <laughs> stay away from toenail fungus wine. Stay away from hammer toe wine. Oh, hammer toe wine. Gross. <laughs> Gross. <clears throat> um, so yeah, that's uh, that's that one. Yeah. Um, let's see. And then I think now we have two uh, representations of two very well-known wines um, out of Australia. Uh, we want to kick it back to you. Yeah. Um, let's see. I'm trying to think. Yeah. Let's let's move over to the Penfolds wine. Um, it was kind of the. This is honestly probably like the piece de resistance in terms of flavor. Actually, should we do some Vegemite before we do this? Oh yeah, let's get some Vegemite. Okay, ready. let's let's we're gonna take a break. We're gonna have a little Vegemite break, and then we'll be back. Um, talk about some penfolds. Uh, we just had a Vegemite break. Uh, yeah. We are having some uh, toast with Vegemite on it. With some sourdough toast mm-hmm. with Vegemite. Uh, I fucking love it. Oh yeah. Oh it's man, so good. You you definitely. I, I think I I think I'd put more on this actually. Yeah. I must. I I like crave salt. It's really okay. weird. I might no, have a problem. No no no. I understand. <laughs> I sometimes take tiny sips of soy sauce. Oh my god. Sometimes I take emergency soy sauce packets in case I feel like I'm gonna faint, and then I just eat some soy sauce and I feel better. No, <laughs> <laughs> we may have. What does that indicate? Is there like something wrong that we're deficient in? I've been I've been trying to read about it honestly, and I think it's something having to do with like testosterone levels. Because mm. women, I think, have some mm-hmm. testosterone too. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. But my um, cardiologist said if I since I used to faint uh, quite a bit. Really? Yes. <clears throat> um, and I would stop the episodes by putting my feet above my head, but. Um, huh. Turns out, if I'm feeling faint, so that I should just get some salt into my system ASAP. Well, uh, I approve of that <laughs> message. Yep, so I always... You should carry around some emergency Vegemite with you. Oh my god, that's a great idea! Yeah! It comes in a tube! <laughs> it literally comes in a tube. How easy is that? Yeah. Is that, like, paint? It's, uh, like, very, very salty and, like, malty. I, yeah. So it is. It's brewer's yeast, and that's what I... Yeah? I think. Let yeah. me look it up, honestly. Because it does ha- it tastes like brewer's yeast, like, it tastes like the stuff you put on your popcorn, if you're that type of person like I am, aka a hippie. <laughs> um, no, my mom taught me that, and you want a real combo of wham bam, thank you, salt ma'am. Um, <laughs> Ooh. But you put brewer's yeast on your popcorn, and then you drizzle very lightly some soy sauce and you toss it. Ooh, yum. Um, uh, uh, salt. That's the, that's the call of my salt people. Uh. Uh. <laughs> um, what is Vegemite made of? Yeah, bruise yeast. Vegemite is one of several yeast extract spreads sold in Australia. One of several. Whoa, we gotta get the whole gamut and do a tasting. It is made from <laughs> leftover brewer's yeast and various vegetable and spice additives. It's delicious. Yeah, I give uh, um, Vegemite the thumbs up. Two thumbs up. Um. So this Vegemite is, um, we're going to have this iconic Vegemite with another iconic piece of Australia. I ate all my Vegemite. It's okay. (laughs) This this wine stands on its own. You don't need food with it. I mean, if you wanted like a nice steak with it or Mm. some absolutely delicious Indian food, I'd recommend that. But um, this is Penfolds. it has, I love, I love the classic design on the Penfolds labels. It looks like a medicine bottle. It's gorgeous. Oh, like from like Victorian England. Totally. And it, it's, they're all stamped with Penfolds wine at the bottom. Um, they all have this emblem, this uh, shield on top, and it's just gorgeous. This is the Bin 28 uh, Kalimna Shiraz. Um, Kalimna is just one of their estates that they grow wine on. It's in the Barossa Valley. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about um, Penfolds and why it's so iconic. So 
It's also a very, very old winery. It was founded in 1844. Um, it has a very interesting background. It was founded by an Englishman who was a doctor. His name was Dr. Christopher Rawson Penfold. He immigrated there to make port-style wines for his anemic patients which I guess was a way that they were treating anemia back in the day. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. I'm like, <laughs> give me an iron deficiency and some port, motherfuckers. I can be in my period 24-7. Um, <laughs> just kidding. That sounds like uh, death. I hate that idea. I know. All old-timey cures weren't really cures, you guys. <laughs> um, there's a there's a Penfolds wine called Grange, which is the most iconic and expensive Australian Shiraz out there, um, and it was made by Penfolds in 1951 by their winemaker Max Schubert, who just basically wanted like a very similar intensity to Bordeaux, but wanted to make it with Shiraz grapes. Um, they kind of all of their a lot of their wines have this bin name on them. Um, the bin series that are the most famous are the bin 707, which is I, I think associated with the Grange, um, bin 389. Bin 28, which is what we're going to be drinking today, and Bin 128. Um, in 2013, Penfolds was awarded New World Winery of the Year by Wine Enthusiast. Oh. Um, so this this Bin 28 is kind of like a mid-tier wine. I'm gonna, not going to lie, I spent over $20 on it, but not like a crazy amount. It was like a $30 bottle of wine, but I just felt like... We needed to taste something that was just like iconic. No, and I, I completely yeah. agree. Um, it's aged 12 months in American oak. It's grown in the Barossa Valley alongside Shiraz, Cab Sauv, Moved, and uh, Movedre and Sangiovese. Um, but this one is 100% Shiraz, and it is gonna punch you. Oh, look at that! In the fucking face! Wow! Just looking at that color, oh. it's it's like Dracula's blood mixed oh. with. I don't even know. It's like a deep purple. Um, I got some crazy, incredible tasting notes on it. Um, very opaque, very staining, of, really deep staining of the tears. Um, the smell I got was like blackberry and fruitcake, kind of all spicy anise flavors, some sweet tobacco. Um, it's very grippy. And then the the taste is beautiful. It's like a plum kind of chocolate peppercorn combo. It's it's fabulous. I think on the nose I'm definitely getting um, the vanilla and allspice mm -hmm. that you kind of... Well, vanilla from American oak. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, for sure. And then also, oh my God, I just had it on the tip of my tongue. Um, molasses. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm getting like... Ba like candied bacon. Ooh, yeah. Uh, There's uh, definitely like a smoking meaty. Yeah. Um. All right. I'm just, I gotta put it in my mouth. Yeah. It's. Mm. <clears throat> it's intense. Very intense. Wow. Tastes like drinking a beautiful, flavorful ink. <laughs> ink. Yeah. 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 This this will this will stain your sheets mm -hmm. for sure. <laughs> And your teeth. Your <laughs> teeth. Uh, it's staining my glass as mm -hmm. we speak. Um, it's almost kind of like so opaque that it's cloudy. Mm-hmm. It's crazy. Um, it definitely, I feel like, might do good with some decanting. Yeah, I think so. It needs it's to open up a little bit. The, the tannins are a little tight. Tight. Tight tannins. 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 It's a 14.5 percenter, so Wee. it's a, uh, yeah, I'll take you home <laughs> and put you to bed. Did you, in your research, did you read that um, the big Shirazes are called, uh, are referred to as purple people leaders? No. And that, oh, it gets even crazier, and that apparently, affectionately in Australia, they refer to really high alcohol Shirazes as, and this is kind of gross, leg spreaders. Yeah. Your mouth just went into a circle. Uh, yeah. Into a circle with food in it <laughs> that was half masticated. Um, Disgusting, right? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, they have all kinds of weird other names. So the the fortified wines that are made in Australia are referred to as stickies. Yeah. I'm like ew. And um, yeah, I was we were looking through some Australian slang in mm -hmm. preparation, and uh, more on that later. But yeah, so many weird weird, weird things. Names. You guys are strange. 
Why well, do you like so many nicknames? For I stuff? know. It's very odd. Um, but makes you all the more lovable. Totally. But yeah, this, um, I want to eat this with some steak. Oh, like, yeah. Like, really, like. I want some potatoes au gratin. Oh. Oh. I need something to cut that dairy mm-hmm. fat. And then this is nice and acidic and. Mm hmm. That was something that I noted was that um, even though it has a lot of grippy tannins, it has it's very uh, balanced acid-wise, whereas I feel like some of the bigger wines like fall kind of flat in the acid department. This is just, ugh, just so good. Yeah. Enjoying. 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 Maybe I'm just like, oh, this is what a $30 wine tastes like. <laughs> <laughs> but hey, um, this one was very worth it. Uh, thank you so much for getting that. Oh, you are welcome. It's such a, you know, when we talk about, you know, we did the same thing when we did our Italy episode. Um, <laughs> Adrian masterfully engineered a cracker in her <laughs> mouth from her scarf. <laughs> um, You'd be proud of me, Mom. Is that it's, you almost, in order to kind of get a sense of the place, you do need to almost tr- at least attempt to get, if you can't afford the topest, topest tier mm-hmm. wines, I mean, get as, as far as your budget will allow. Oh, yeah. We tried, uh, when we did Italy, we did a Brunello di Montepucciano, Montepucciano. Yep. Uh, which is a higher tier Sangiovese, and, but it was known in the, in the region, so. And, like, yeah, I didn't go out and get a Grange or, you know, like a Bin 707, but this Bin 28 Penfolds is a really good example of masterfully made Australian Shiraz. Great. Um, so let's, we're going to continue to drink this while we go into um, <clears throat> our next wine. Which is another one of those uh, marketing genius type of situations mm-hmm. here. You guys know it. It is called 19 Crimes. So 19 Crimes is a wine that is named after those 19 crimes that would get you um, oh, kicked yeah. out of England into uh, the penal colony of Australia. And I have, will read you those 19 Crimes in a second because cool. they're very interesting. But the genius behind this labeling is that um, the bottles are almost like this beautiful milk glass. Yeah, they're like frosted glass. glass. Yeah, they're cloudy. And these labels are uh, augmented reality, virtual augmented reality or whatever. So Mm -hmm. the way that you do it is you download an app, and that app is called Living Wine Labels. Um, I downloaded it. Unfortunately, my phone uh, sucks dick sometimes, so it would not <laughs> work. But you hover your uh, app over the picture on the bottle, and the bottle will come. The, the person on the bottle will come to life and start talking to you about Whoa. why they got um, exported. So this is a That's label cool. from Treasury Estates, which we mentioned earlier, mm-hmm. which is a big mega portfolio. So this wine is going to be consistent year round. Mm-hmm. Um, because that's what you do when you have a wine portfolio. Wine. And I think Penfolds is also owned by Treasury Estate, so not necessarily like lower tier wines. Like they just own a lot of wine. Mm-hmm. So this 19 Crimes um, is it's 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 so interesting. And, and what I was reading about it is that it was originally made to appeal more to uh, men. Oh, that makes sense. Um, with the way it looks. The way it like, looks, because I mean, so basically you look at it and it looks like a mugshot. Yeah. A cool, a cool mugshot. It's got this crazy, like, heavy serif font on it. Um, it's it's not, it's not like floofy looking. It's very like, this is, this is a wine that you get when you're getting a straight razor shape. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that, that is a very good. Like, it, it kind of looks like a liquor bottle. Yeah. So these are all convicts from the height of the penal transportation period, which was 1788 to 1868. Are, are you ready to hear the 19 crimes punishable? Please. Number one, gland, <laughs> gland larceny when you steal somebody's gland. gland. <laughs> when you steal someone's glands. Okay, guys. Grand larceny, theft above the value of one shilling. Two, petty larceny. Theft. Wait, wait, wait. Above the value of one, one shilling. shilling. So if you steal more, if you steal two shillings, that's grand larceny. No way. And if it's a shilling or under, that's petty larceny. Whoa. Yeah. Uh, three, buying or receiving stolen goods, jewels, and plate. Uh, yep. Okay. Uh, four, uh, stealing lead, iron, or copper, or buying or receiving. So sorry, meth addicts, you would have been transported. <laughs> uh, five, impersonating an Egyptian. 
<clears throat> what? I guess Egyptians were really not well liked in England at that time. I don't know. That band would have been that transported. That would have been one of the 19 crimes. Uh, they would have been transported to the penal colony. What is that band? Walk like an Egyptian. The ba- nope. I must have the Bananaramas. I don't think that's a real band. Walk like the Bangles. The Bangles. You weren't far off. The Bangles would have been uh, victims of penal transportation. <clears throat> uh, six, stealing from furnished lodgings. Seven, setting <laughs> fire. So like, hotel, like, you know, if you took the, the samples of shampoo from a hotel. Yeah, so don't steal from the Hilton because you're going to get sent to Australia. <laughs> <laughs> Seven, setting fire to Underwood. Underwood is uppercase, so I don't know if that is a... A township or a type of anyway. Eight stealing letters, advancing advancing the postage and secreting the money. That's an old timey crime. I don't really know about crime. Nine assault with an in- intent to rob. Ten stealing fish from a pond or river. How dare you what? try to feed yourself? How dare you? How dare you? Uh, Eleven stealing roots, trees, or plants, or destroying them. How dare you steal a flower? Okay, yeah. How dare you (laughs) move that tree? Twelve. Bigamy. Classic. (laughs) What is bigamy? Uh, That's when you are married to more than one person. Not polygamy? Polygamy. So bigamy is the term for like if if you and I were married and then you went and married someone else. Mm -hmm. Like being married to a second person is bigamy. It's considered like polygamy and the, 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 the relationship is polygamous. But bigamy oh. is like the crime. Oh, interesting. I'm pretty sure. I'm going to have to fact check myself on that okay. one. But I should know it because I work in the law. Yeah. Uh, 13, assaulting, cutting, or burning clothes. How dare you wear that Knicks jersey to a Lakers game? How dare you cut up that 1989 um, shirt? How dare you burn my Argyle socks? <laughs> uh, 14, Counterfeiting the copper coin, not any other money. Just the copper. Just the copper coin. Uh, Fifteen. Don't know what this is. Clandestine marriage. Hmm. That's illegal. That would get you transported to Australia. Uh, Sixteen. Stealing a shroud out of a grave. Ooh. Ew. Why would you want to do that? So shroud. That's just the thing that covers the body, right? Yep. I guess like families had shrouds that were like nice. Like they were pretty nice. Yeah. Maybe made from silk. So. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> um, you would think that the crime would be like robbing a grave and not so specific to the shroud that covered the body, but you know, whatever. Oh, okay. Clandestine marriage means the marriage entered in secret through an agreement between parties. So it's just like a secret marriage. Oh, okay. Without um, legal formalities and performed by an, author- an authorized person. So wouldn't clandestine marriage just mean like not legal marriage? Yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, because I'm obsessed with Outlander, they do this thing in Outlander called hand fasting. Which hand is, fasting. So, like, in the Highlands, like, you wouldn't have time. Like, if you really, really, really wanted to get married and you wouldn't have time to, like, mm-hmm. go find a priest, you would hand fast yourself. Which is like, we love each other. Let's tie our hands together. And you okay. were, like, married in the eyes of their village, but not necessarily at God. So maybe those were considered clandestine marriages. Sure. Sounds like a pretty accurate rendition. Uh, 17, watermen carrying too many passengers on the Thames, if any, and if any drowned. So if you were, like, a shitty gondola dude. <laughs> shitty gondola. <laughs> shitty gondola man. Shitty gondola man. I am a shitty gondola man. <laughs> you know what? That is a good crime. Like, you should be, you should be punished for that. You, you, yeah. That's not, that's not good water safety. Yeah. You need to be an excellent water tech. Learn how to roll your fucking boat. God damn it. You're going to Australia. <laughs> uh, 18, <laughs> incorrigible rogues who broke out of prison and persons reprieved from capital punishment. Okay. Jailbreak. 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 Uh, 19, embuling naval stores in certain cases. I don't what? know what imbuing means. I don't either. So we're going to just uh, skip right over that one. And then, of course, as I mentioned earlier, lots and lots of uh, political prisoners from Ireland and Scotland. Also. It also sounds like a lot of those crimes would be hard to prove, like the intent to steal. How do you prove that? Well, exactly. Especially this difference between the grand larceny and the petty larceny. Yeah. Like, England was fucking crowded, and they mm-hmm. were just like, I don't care. Get them out of here. Therefore, they suck. We don't want them here. We just so, like, basically, if you stole a loaf of bread, 
You'd be booked for grand larceny. Yep, because if, if, if well, I don't know what like a shilling was that. What's like what, a what was shilling. the value of a shilling? Value of a shilling. Shilling is like a penny, right? But maybe it was worth more. I don't know. Mom. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. I don't care. Uh, <laughs> anyway, uh, so getting back to the wine itself, Nineteen Crimes started out with just a couple. I think it just had the um, the Cabernet, the Shiraz, and the Red Blends, and now they've expanded to quite a few wines in height of the popularity of having the app go along with the augmented reality. Um, so let's try it. Cool. It used to be more expensive. I remember the price point for this wine being a lot higher, and I've noticed it's dropped down. So I don't, and I couldn't find this out in my research, so I apologize. If somebody knows, let me know. I'm wondering if this was an independent label that was then bought by Treasury, and when Treasury bought it, then the price dropped. Interesting. I don't know. I also like the fact that they're playing with augmented reality. Like, a lot of brands that do that are, like, Domino's or Pizza Hut, you know. Domino's! <laughs> and it's cool to see, like, a, I don't know, a wine brand playing with it. And this is, yeah, so this is our only representation of Cabernet we have today uh, in the tasting, but... And, bes- you know, Shiraz is considered a very expressive grape, a very like well-known and um, highly sought-after grape in Australia, but Cabernet Sauvignon is equally high re- highly regarded in that region as well. But we just honestly, again, couldn't really find any Cabernet Ooh. that really wasn't a Treasury Estates owned brand or a Yellowtail, so... And honestly, this isn't that bad. Um, no, it smells great. My uh, smelling and tasting notes here are I got dark chocolate raspberry mousse, Toffee, cedar, uh, a yeah, little cedar. Bay, bay leaf mm-hmm. uh, as well. This is actually pretty low tannins for a Cabernet. Really? Um, and I think that's because they are trying to make it more accessible um, for people. Oh, yeah. Very medium tannins. Still kind of like a nice spice to it. Yeah, I mean... That's not bad. That's not bad. Not the most dynamite Cabernet I've ever had, but... Yeah, I, I don't think it's, like, interesting enough to age for a long time. The one cool thing was when I, which actually maybe just a little hair sad to open it, but when I looked up the, the Penfold's Bin 28 wine, they were like, you can age this to, like, 2040. And I was like, whoa. Um, <laughs> yeah, Syrahs age really nicely, uh-huh. you guys. You can age your Syrah for, uh, I mean, 15, 15 to yeah, 20 15 years, to probably. 20 years. Um, yeah, Yeah. It is a very, very pro- uh, well-known grape throughout the entire world. A lot of places grow Syrah. Syrah grows in France. It grows in Portugal, Chile, Italy, the United States, South Africa, Argentina, Spain. This grape gets around. This grape gets around. <laughs> but back to Cabernet Sauvignon. Back to, but back to Cabernet Sauvignon, because that is what we're doing right now. Yes. Um, yeah, it's got some of the classic notes that you would get with a Cabernet. Yeah. Um, um, that cedar, um, cedar kind of barky, a little bit of, um, maybe not mint, but something herbal in there. And again, we don't really know specifically where these grapes are coming from because this is also a label that says Southeastern Australia. So the grapes... Oh, right. Could just come from a, a variety mm. of regions variety in the southern regions. part of Australia, which is basically the livable part of Australia. Yeah, exactly. Um... So yeah, that's 19 Grimes. Cool. All right, guys. We are now going to go to a different part of the country. Oh. Yes. Interesting. We're, we're leaving. We are leaving southern Australia. We're going to get in our, um, our Australia wagon. <laughs> we're going to get in our little Australia radio flyer. Mm-hmm. Um, and we are going to wheel ourselves all the fucking way to Western Australia. Yay! Um, the biggest city out there is Perth. 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 Um, and I think, oh, we gotta go get, I gotta go get my wine. Okay. And I wouldn't mind a re-up on some Vegemite toast. Okay, let's get some more Vegemite going. Thank you.